everybody. Welcome to the Faith, Life, and Fitness Podcast, a podcast designed to bring the faith and fitness communities together. My name is Caleb Cavazos, and I am a husband, a father, pastor, and amateur CrossFitter. And on this podcast, I will be sharing personal stories and biblical truths to inspire everyday athletes like you and I to live a God-first life. If you're ready, let's get to it. Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of the Faith, Life, and Fitness Show. I am your host, Kalem Cavasas, and man, I am super pumped for this week's episode. But before we begin, I wanted to remind you that you can catch up on all of the episodes from season one on your favorite podcast platform. We're on Apple Podcast and Spotify as well. Season one's in the books, and season two is about to be off the chain. As always, this episode is brought to you by FNX Fitness. For all of your nutritional supplement needs, FNX has you covered. From protein to pre-workout to nutritional supplements, FNX has it all. Check it out by going to faithlifefit.com forward slash FNX. That's faithlifefit.com forward slash FNX and enter your promo code podcast. That's promo code podcast and get 15% off of your order. All right, let's get into today's show. I recently sat down with current WWE superstar Chad Lale, also known as Jackson Riker, to talk about his faith journey and how he navigates his walk in the midst of the business. Take a listen to this interview. All right, guys, Faith, Life, and Fitness. I am here with Chad Lale, a.k.a. Jackson Riker from the WWE. What's going on, man? What's up, man? I'm looking forward to, to talking tonight, just hanging out in Tampa, getting ready for uh, Monday Night Raw tomorrow night. Just uh, nice. relaxing. <laughs> yeah, man, I love it. Thank you so much for joining us and doing this interview. I think uh, there's going to be a lot that we're going to talk about tonight, I think. Uh, the the listeners are going to hear possibly a different side of what you do because of the, the way the podcast is set up and the way that we talk about things that incorporate Jesus and our life and the fitness side of it. Uh, I think some some folks are going to uh, to be touched by this. So I'm really, really excited about that. So I really want to uh, talk a little bit uh, or give you an opportunity just to talk a little bit about your background. I know uh, from our conversations, you started out in the military. So I'd love to hear a little bit about that journey with you um, and and what got you into uh, being a Marine. So, yeah, I mean, I graduated high school in the year 2000. Uh, and I've told the story quite many, many times. Wrestling, something I wanted to do since I was five, uh, was, you know, as a kid, I would play army, play war, whatever, you know, like a kid does with his friends. It was never anything that I was like, oh, I'm definitely going to join the military. Um, 2000, graduated high school. 2001 came, 9-11. You know, we all know the, the, the horror of that story. Um, you know, within a matter of, I guess, six months of that, uh, I'm working at like a fiber optic cable plant. They start doing these massive layoffs because of things going on. So here I am stuck in the middle uh, of unemployment or working at a grocery store, just, you know, here, year 2001 and, and I'm a year out of high school in my hometown. And I just start thinking like, what can I do for my country? Um, you know, backstory is my father was in the army. My uncle was in the army. He was in law enforcement, a whole family of, of army vets, Navy vets, but there was only one Marine, my uncle Gene, who lives in Mississippi. And, and I, I, I'm always the mindset of like, okay, if I'm going to do something, I'm going to be the best, you know, no offense out there. I take respect for all or give respect to all of the branches of military. But I was like, I know Marine Corps training is the hardest. If I can put myself through this and achieve this, then there's nothing that I can, you know, there's nothing I can't do. So I go into the uh, recruiting office, you know, probably I want to say January, 2000, um, 2002, 
And I just started talking to them and they're salesmen, dude. You know, that's what recruiters do. They're sales. And uh, lo and behold, I, I'm like, you know what? I'm going to do it. I'm going to do this. I'm going to sign the dotted line. Didn't tell my parents at all. I take this paper home and say, dad, I got something to tell you. I joined the Marine Corps and uh, I'm leaving in September. So, I mean, I, you, luckily it was like I joined, but I had a whole summer to kind of, you know, gear up for it. <clears throat> but, and so September 11th, 2002, to be exact, I stood uh, on the yellow footprints at Paris Island. And for those who are Marines out there listening, they know what I'm talking about. It's the bus, the bus stops, man. Drill instructors come on, start screaming at you. You're instantly going, what have I got myself into? <laughs> um, but man, like, you know, it's something where, you know, my family history background, my grandfather, who was a minister, uh, you know, a chaplain in the Navy for many, many years. Uh, it's just something I was like, you know, I was in this rut and, and I said, I have to do something for my country. I have to do something for myself. And I just knew that the military was going to get me out of this, this hole that I was in. Uh, and I wouldn't trade it for anything in the world. And, and I've, I've had so many experiences being in the Marine Corps. It opened up doors for me. It um, got me out of my hometown. It showed me that there's more in the world, man. Um, it was just, it's just an incredible, incredible journey I went through. That's awesome, man. And, and first of all, I, let me just say thank you for your service and all of that. I know <clears throat> none of that is easy. You know, uh, it, I haven't been in it. I've had uh, uncles who were in the Vietnam War. I've had friends. Uh, my dad is, he, he never got in because of, of some health issues, but also he had a lot of brothers that had already been enlisted. And back then there was a whole situation with all that. But <clears throat> he is uh, highly, highly involved in the Vietnam veterans movement uh, in our hometown. So, you know, I've been around it all my life and just understand, you know, the the military mindset from those folks, but I've never been a part of it. So, you know, first of all, thank you for for your service. And so so you got you, you went from there and now you sit in your job now as a WWE superstar. So where where is where's that uh, transition happen in your life? Yeah. And, and so. Like I mentioned, I wanted to be a pro wrestler since I was five. Me and my buddies, family, cousins, we'd backyard wrestle as kids and just, you know, make up these, you know, our cardboard belts and just carry this. Just, man, it was just, I don't know, something captivated me as a child. It's something that never left me. So I uh, back, rewind a little bit, 2000, graduate high school, 2001, or the summer of 2000, I'm sorry, I started training uh, at a, a local, with a local guy in, in Hickory, North Carolina, where I'm from, um, just to be, you know, an independent wrestler. So doing local shows or whatnot. Uh, within the Marine Corps, I took time off for certain things. But then even while I was stationed at Camp Lejeune, North Carolina, which was my duty station, so Jacksonville, North Carolina, um, every weekend, man, I would travel, me and a buddy of mine would travel back and forth to my hometown. So you're probably a five hour drive to my hometown. Friday nights after we leave base, we'd get in at two in the morning, uh, get up, train on Saturday morning, get in a car with my buddy and drive to a show wherever it was. You know, we did this almost every weekend of the four years that I served in the Marine Corps, unless I was deployed or whatnot. Um, so I chased that dream. Then I was chasing this dream of independent wrestling, of being a pro wrestler, you know, not getting paid any money, like independent wrestling is just a, a grind. So I chased this dream. And then, so, uh, fast forward 06, I got out of the Marine Corps, um, worked some little jobs here and there, did the independent wrestling and decided I was going to kind of, um, you know, move myself to Atlanta, Georgia. And which is where a pretty well-known organization was, uh, NWA Wildside. And started training and wrestling with those guys, which just kind of uh, you know, helped elevate my career into a TV, into uh, you know a lot of internet shows that they had, a lot more traveling for uh, the NWA promotion because they were all over the United States. So here it was, like I realized I had to get out of my hometown once again because Hickory, small town, you're not going to be able to wrestle in the Hickory Armory or Hickory Gym or high school. Uh, every weekend and expect to 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 make it. I mean, honestly, you know, it's not how it works. You have to. It's just like acting. You can't stay in one sit one area and go. Okay, well, I'm gonna be a big, you know, the Rock movie star one day. Right. You gotta, right. You got to chase these dreams. You know, anything you want to do, you got to chase these dreams. And my dad instilled in me, and my mom instilled in me as a kid. Like, look, if you want to do something, 
you set your mind to it. If you want, you can do anything you set your mind to. Nothing can stop you but yourself. And that's really how how I took things. Like I was on this one track mind to to be a Marine. Well, in the Marine Corps in boot camp, I said, okay, I got 13 weeks where I want to be an honor graduate. Well, at the end of 13 weeks, I was an honor graduate. You know, that means I got promoted. That means I got dress blues and all this stuff. Well, when wrestling took off, I said, okay, I'm going to be a WWE superstar one day. I, I have this and I'd sacrifice so many things, you know, a lot of family time, a lot of things, a lot of, you know, just uh, personal things, but I sacrificed it because it's what I wanted to do. And, you know, thank the Lord it's paid off. And, and I mean, it's just, you know, the journey was long. The journey had its ups and downs, just like any successful journey story, but it, it's, uh, it's really paid off and it could end tomorrow. And I could sit back in my office and go, Hey, I had a blessed career. I can't really complain about much. So yeah, dude, wrestling just took off. I mean, I, I, you know, the Marine Corps, me and the buddy would just travel every weekend just to, just to grind and wrestle sometimes in front of, I don't know, 500 people, dude, sometimes we'd go to shows and there'd be 25 people. You know what I mean? Uh, we'd get paid $10 here. We'd get paid a hundred dollars here or some nights wouldn't get paid at all. It was just like, Oh, well, thanks yeah. for the experience. But yeah, <laughs> so it's just the grind, dude. It's That's just awesome. what you wanted to do. That's awesome. So it sounds like, you know, with, with what you wanted to do, it's always been your dream. And so talk to me a little bit about where did you, where did the name come from? So I know in, in, in your industry, everybody's got uh, what, what I would call a stage name. It's, it's their character name and they've changed over time. So things like that. Where did yours come from? So yeah, for Jackson Riker for WWE, uh, we can go back a little bit from, Oh, uh, gosh, I guess 04 to 2010, I wrestled as uh, Shatter, like Shatter Glass. I was just Shatter. Uh, there was really no no significant name behind that. I went to Impact Wrestling from 2010 to 2015, which uh, some fans know as TNA that used to be on Spike TV. Well, I had the name Gunner. It kind of went with my Marine Corps. You know, I, I, I did the machine gunner on top of the ring mount in the Marine Corps. Uh, and then as I go, you get in WWE, they like to you know, they like to, some of the times you can keep the name you had, but majority of the time they're like, nope, we're going to trademark our own thing. We're going to own this. So for Jackson Riker, I got to, you know, it was nice because I got a chance to come up with this name. You know, some people don't. And for me, it was, um, I've always liked the name Jackson, you know, like Jax. I was a big watch, you know, Sons of Anarchy years ago. <laughs> so Jax was like this character. I remember, um, and then Riker, me and my wife, uh, you know, we have a four-year-old daughter. When we always say if we get a chance, you know, if we have a son, um, Riker was the name that we chose. And this was years before I, I, you know, joined the WWE or whatnot. So I just put those two together. I was like, oh, I'm going to shoot this idea to him. So Jackson Riker, J-A-X-S-O-N. So I spelled mm -hmm. it with an X just to be a little different. Right. Um, and lo and behold, they liked it. So, I mean, it's nice. good, you know, they, they, they own the copyrights to the name, but yeah. I get a chance to take the character and take the name and, and make something from it. That's awesome. That's awesome. So I love how you, you, you put it all together and it all means, because I mean, you know, coming from an outsider, you know, the characters names, you know, kind of some of the things where they come up It's it's really kind of cool to hear how you came up and how it means something to you when it, you, you you almost get into that character a little bit more too, when it means something to you a little bit more. So that's pretty awesome. So, all right. So last thing about the, the whole thing of, of who you are in the WWE, because I want to, I want to transition this in, in just a minute to talk uh, about faith and things like that. But if you were to say the toughest part about your job, what, what is, what is the toughest part about being a WWE superstar? Uh, the physical aspect of it, man, you know, I'm third, I'll be 39 June 6th. And, um, you know, in my twenties, I was talking to a buddy the other day in my twenties, I could, I could get four hours of sleep. I could get up and train for two hours. I could drive for whatever hours, wrestle a match, repeat. And now that I'm 39, the physical aspect of it, I mean, pro wrestling is, you know, uh, some people, they use the word fake. Uh, it is a physical form of entertainment. And we are, we are athletes who beat our, there is no off season, you know, during this whole, the COVID stuff. I mean, man, there was no off season. We kept grinding and grinding. And uh, that for me is, is uh, just taking care of my body. I love the physical aspect of it, but that is, you know, traveling doesn't bother me much. It never really has. I've always enjoyed it. Um, right now it's obviously not as crazy for us travel wise, 
but man, it's a physical, physical job because you you beat your body up you, and you got to get up the next morning and train, but take care of your body. I mean, like I said, I'm 39. Uh, I do a lot more now to take care of myself than I did in my 20s. Yeah. Yeah. I, you brought up a point because, I mean, I've watched wrestling my entire life. I mean, I remember going back, I grew up in Indiana. We went to Indianapolis one time at uh, Mark Square Arena and I got to see the Ultimate Warrior at that time. And I just fell in love with, you know, and I've, I've followed the, you know, the different superstars throughout the years. And I've kind of stepped away from watching it, but still, you know, I, you know, reminisce with some folks at work about some of those, the, the old, you know, eighties and nineties wrestlers about, you know, that's because that's what shaped me. I'll be 40, I'm 44. So, you know, those are the guys that shaped me and, and just, uh, have those conversations with people that don't get it. It's like, Oh, it's so fake. Well, it may be scripted to a degree, but you can't fake jumping off, you know, into a table and, and, you know, you do it the right way. I mean, there's guys that get hurt all the time. So you can't say it's fake, you know, it's, you know, it's, it's like a story, but yet these guys are, these guys are putting their, their bodies through heck all day long. So, you know, it is a physical, uh, in, in, on your, on your Instagram and you, you got just kind of that thing where you're, um, at the place that you're working out and just the, the change that you've done in your body, which is remarkable about how, you know, putting the right stuff in your body and, and taking care of it. And I know for me and for the listeners, I mean, I'm a CrossFitter. I think you and I have talked a little bit about that. And, you know, for me, the fitness aspect of life at 44 has been, uh, because of, of family history. You know, I woke up a few years ago and just realized, man, I just, I need to do something with my body. And it's a lot harder at 44 than it should have been at 24. And I wish I would have thought to myself at 24, I should have gotten into this at least to stay healthy instead of eating ice cream all the time. So, you know, it's, um, you, you got to work a lot harder at our age to be able to continue to maintain the physical where you want to be at whatever that level is. So that's pretty cool to hear. So, all right. So I want to transition to, to something I know is, is really, um, a big part of your life, a big part of your heart, and that's Jesus. Um, you and I go to the same church. We, we met there and, you know, you profess to know Jesus. You, you, you are, you teach the youth, you speak to them. I, I've seen you going around teaching different things and, and just sharing your story, but man, I, I really want to hear the story about how you came to know Jesus. What was that turning point for you to say, you know, did you grow up in it? What, what, tell me a little bit about your testimony. Yeah, so I did, uh, and, I, and I spoke to Pastor Nathan, um, you know, at the ref, the refuge the other day. We had a little meeting, um, just an incredible conversation about. I grew up around it, um, you know. Mom would go to church here and there, um, you know. It was something that was never forced on me. Something that you know wasn't like, oh, if you don't do this, you're gonna, you know, whatever. You, you know, wasn't forced to necessarily go to church. I remember vaguely as a kid. Um, we lived in a trailer park, you know, uh, and it's, it sounds like a fairy tale story already, right? <laughs> trailer park, but we, we do live in a trailer park and there would be a church bus that would come around during the summertime and pick kids up, take them to church. And they would do this like week long, kind of like Bible camp. Uh, and I would, I, I always go. Cause to me, it was like, Oh, well, cool, man. It's something fun for me to do in the summertime. I can play games. I can eat free food. But at the same time, little did I know they were, were instilling a seed in me. They were planting a seed in me. And not only that, but my mother, um, you know, it's one of those things where I get emotional about it sometimes when, when I think about my mom, how as a child, there would never be a night go by and she would work two or three jobs, man, to, to provide for me and my brother and sister. And there would never be a night that wouldn't go by where she wouldn't come into the bedroom, tuck me in. And we'd say a prayer together, you know, now I'll lay me down to sleep. Mm -hmm. the, 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 the kids, you know, whatever Jesus prayer. Yeah. And she was instilling that into me then, you know what I mean? That's so awesome. for me, um, at a young age, I can remember laying in my bed, um, you know, whatever, seven or eight years old, looking up at the sky and finding one star as a kid. And you know, as a kid, I'm looking at that star thinking, oh, it's Jesus. Let me talk to Jesus. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And I would just talk. Whatever I would say at the time, I don't even know, but I know is I remember being very young and praying. Um, move, you know, fast forward a little bit, ended up uh, reconnecting with my father when I was 10. And, mm -hmm. you know, now we're just a super strong relationship with all of us, but started going to a family church, uh, Bethlehem Church of God, which is, is 
uh, in Taylorsville, North Carolina. Mm-hmm. And we, uh, family church, I mentioned uh, my grandfather helped build the church, literally build it in the 50s. He preached there until he died in the 70s. Um, you know, grandmother, everybody went to this church. And, you know, just a Holy Spirit filled congregation, you know, revivals, it would go for hours. And, and you know, we started going there pretty heavily, I guess, when I was 14, 15. And, you know, I'm getting a chance to to hear the Bible preached, the truth, the gospel, who Jesus was, what he did for me, um, all this stuff, man, just just amazing things. And having my grandmother sit beside me and constantly throughout the, the sermons or whatnot, just constantly, all she'd ever say is, thank you, Jesus. She'd just sit there and rock and say, thank you, Jesus. And she was planting the seed, man. And at 17, uh, 17, I think March of March 15th, year 2000, there was a uh, pastor, John Banks, an older gentleman, probably in his seventies at the time. And they would do week long revivals, like a, usually a Sunday through a Wednesday. So half a week or whatnot. And I mean, these things do, they would go two or three hours. I mean, we'd get there at six and it'd be nine 30. And as a 17 year old, I'm like, what is going on, man? Get me out of here. I, you know, I gotta get home. But that night was different. You know, <clears throat> he was preaching. Uh, and at the end, he made the the altar call, and yeah, I'll, I will never forget it. You know, I'll never forget it, man, because it's like I'm in the back row, and he he makes this altar call to come and surrender yourself to Christ, and it was like just this like cinder blocks holding my feet, and and that that enemy saying, "Don't move," like you don't want to do this. This is silly, blah blah blah. But something, Jesus knocking at my heart. You know, you see that picture of Christ at the door knocking, and that's really what symbolized my salvation. And I and and once I took that first step, it was like Christ led me, dude. Right, led me to the altar that's a red carpet, and I and I knelt down and gave my life to Jesus when I was seventeen. You know, I didn't know what that meant at the time. I I knew that it was something different that was leading me, and something inside of me that was different—a real feeling. You know what I mean? And you can tell people about Jesus all all day, but until they truly allow it and feel the presence. And, you know, at 17, I, I knelt down on that red, you know, tear stained carpet and, and gave my life to Christ. I, I remember my dad, uh, my dad being there with me. It was just incredible. And, and, you know, move forward a little bit, I guess, October of last year, I got a chance to go back there and, and preach on that altar, mm. which was just incredible, man. So, yeah, I mean, that's, um, you know, it that's my salvation story in a nutshell. Mm-hmm. I didn't come from, you know, an abusive family or a drunk father who beat me or anything. You know, I mm-hmm. come from a loving mother, a loving father that luckily growing up, they instilled Jesus in me. And when I was 17 and old enough to make my own decision, I did. And, mm-hmm. and I'm so glad that, you know, I never looked back. Yeah. Just incredible. incredible. That's it, what's what's amazing to hear that story is it's eerie how similar our stories are, you know, in an essence of how we came to know Jesus. You know, I didn't grow up in the church. My, my family was not, my dad grew up Catholic and vowed never, you know, nothing against the Catholic church. He was just kind of burnt by the Catholic church. And he was like, you're, we're not raising him Catholic. And we didn't go to church. I mean, but I had a couple of friends that invited me to a youth group. I went, you know, they didn't stop me from going. And, you know, lo and behold, I think I was like 15 at the time. So a couple of years younger and it was just, you know, very similar. Like, you know, you just know when God is calling you uh, that you can't deny when the move of God comes on your life to change your life. And, you know, if, if you're listening right now to this podcast, I, I just want to encourage you that there is no denying that that moment in your life that God is calling you to a deeper relationship with him, the only people that get in, in in the way is us. You know, we get in our own way. And so, you know, thanks for sharing that, man, because I think that's huge for a lot of people. And I think, you know, people need to feel or think that we have to come from these huge, you know, dysfunctional backgrounds and find this, you know, super, uh, you know, awesome testimony. I got delivered from drugs or I was an addict or I, you know, was now listen, I am not disqualifying those testimonies at all because those are huge God moments, but sometimes we get in our own way and say, well, I don't have a testimony like that. So my testimony doesn't mean anything, but those testimonies, like what you just shared is just as strong and just as powerful to those that need to hear it. And I love how you brought it full circle. 
you know, God took you from the place where he first met with you or you first met with him because he had always known who you were, where you first met him when you were 17, all the way back a year ago to be able to speak at the same place. That is, it's, it's almost surreal. I'm sure I can probably be in your shoes at that moment. It was probably a surreal moment, you know, and all oh, those yeah. memories and things flooded right back into your body. And you're like, oh man, just thank you, God, for this moment, you know, and just so grateful for that. So that's, I mean, that is huge. That's huge. So, so you've been saved since you were 17. And, and obviously, probably like many of us have had ups and downs throughout your life in regards to you know, what your walk with God is like. And I guarantee if anybody said, Hey, listen, I got saved when I was six years old and I never looked back. They're probably lying to us, you know, just because there's always going to be something that happens in our life that at least pushes us backwards a little bit. And we, we have to re recenter ourselves, but, you know, for you in being in the military, right. And now being a WWE superstar, you're, your life was demanding and still is demanding. You, you know, you have a lot of different things pulling at you from all different directions. I think of the military, it is, it's very structured. It's very this, it's, you know, depending on who you're with and who you surround yourself with, who's the, who's the guys you have can lead you one way or the other. Same thing for the industry that you're in today. So the biggest question that I have for you is how do you keep your faith? How do you keep your walk fresh and active and how did you do that in the military? And how do you do that today? What is, what's the key of success for your, your walk? Well, I, I will say that in the military, I, I, you know, I talked to Pastor Nathan once again, and I was like, there's two things you can do in the Marine Corps. You can, you can uh, find an, a gym because there's plenty of them on base. You can work out or you can, or you can be a drunk. So I was like, I, I always was just fascinated with training, man. And, mm -hmm. and I consumed my time with that. And yeah, I did go through a phase in my life where, you know, that, that, uh, Proverbs 27, 17, iron sharpens iron. I wasn't around mm -hmm. that. I was around mm -hmm. the wrong crowds who, who, uh, you know, uh, I decided to live a different lifestyle, partying and all this other stuff. And, but you know, there came a time where I said, okay, I have to, I have to, um, put myself around people that are good for me, that are good for my walk. Mm -hmm. Uh, and I just started to, I know my boundaries, you know what I mean? I know that, um, I can't go to a certain place because it opens up doors. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. I know my boundaries. Luckily I'm strong enough in my faith now to where I can, you know, I can go to whatever, uh, a sports bar to get food or something like that. And I'm not going to go, man, I really got to have a beer. Like mm -hmm. I just don't do that. You know what I mean? Um, so it's really for me now is just. I am. And my wife laughs at me because even at home, I'm just a homebody dude. So, mm -hmm. you know, WrestleMania week this past year, uh, I literally spent probably more time in my hotel room than I did anything because I choose to read and it's, you know, it's, I'm not being obviously boasting about anything, but I choose to read my Bible. I choose to read books. I write and I just consume my time with things that I know are good for my spirit now, man. And I protect my spirit. I don't, you know, care what people think about it. You know what I mean? And it's just, I don't put myself in situations. You know, I talk to, uh, Dr. Michael Brown, who is my mentor. And, you know, we, we talk about things that some can, others can. He did a sermon about it one time. And, you know, there's some things that people can do that does, doesn't tempt them or doesn't, you know, cause them to uh, hinder their faith or whatnot. But, you know, I just know the things that I can or can't do. You know what I mean? So I choose to just consume my time. I, mean, I got a four-year-old. I'm a dad. I'm 30, be 39. You know, I got a, a kid at home. I'm not going to go out and, you know, party and do stupid stuff, man. I just, mm -hmm. So, for, yeah, for me, dude, it's just really choosing what I know is best for my spirit now. Yeah. And, and I'm smart enough to, and, and in my, my faith walk, um, it's taken many years to grow and to realize that. Uh, but I look back now and it's like, wow, I wish I would have done that, you know, 15 years ago. Mm -hmm. but, so, yeah, man, just yeah. keeping myself grounded now. That's awesome. That's awesome. I think, you know, because in our lives, no matter what industry you're in, no matter where you are, there's going to be a lot of competing things that come at you, right? You know, I mean, I can think of, you know, uh, professional athletes when it comes to football, baseball, things like that. Um, I'm a Miami Dolphin fan and that, that's a whole yeah. different story of why I'm a Dolphin <laughs> fan, but you know, it's been, it's been a sad 20 plus 30 years for me, but hopefully we're, <laughs> we're, we're going to do something this year, but 
you know, the, the thing is, is that when, when athletes are drafted there, the very first, you know, thing that goes to your mind is like, man, that's South beach. Like how, mm-hmm. how are they going, how are they going to keep their, their, their stuff clean? You know, it's South beach. There's so much in South beach to be oh, able yeah. to be drawn away from. And I think, you know, you make it a point is, is being grounded and it, it's not about not being around, you know, just kind of completely removing yourself from society. It's about mm-hmm. knowing what your boundaries are, knowing what your triggers are, knowing, understanding, and keeping a circle of people around you that if not, not if it's when the temptation comes, when the things happen, when, you know, for you, if you're out, you know, when you guys do start traveling again to different cities and hopefully that'll be coming soon, there's going to be mm-hmm. lots of different things that people may want to pull and, and, and say, Hey, let's go here, man. Let's go do this or let's go do that. And it's, it's what's in your heart. It's, it's where you want to be. It's, are you trying to people please? Or are you trying to God please? And I think that's important that's right. for, for what's that's at. So, all right. So last question for you. And then mm-hmm. I've got five rapid fire questions that I want to, I want to shoot at you. Some, uh, we're going to end on a fun note. I think it's going to be really fun, but um, what advice would you give for someone who's struggling to maintain their walk with God? You know, I think um, years ago I would, I struggled and I look at why I struggled is because I thought that um What's the word I'm looking for? I, I thought it was harder than it really is. Mm-hmm. I thought that, man, I have to do this. I have to do this to impress God or God's not going to love me or, you know, uh, whatever it was, man. I have to I have to read my Bible for an hour a night or pray for an hour a night or God's going to be so mad at me. You know, mm-hmm. that's just this this stuff that was in, in, you know, that I think that I made up in my mind. So for me, who, someone who's struggling I can look back on my walk and say, don't think that way. Uh, don't mm. be legalistic about your walk with Jesus. Realize that it is mm-hmm. not, you know, it's, it's a relationship. You know what I'm saying? So mm-hmm. I heard an, I heard a story and, and I still try to live by this daily or some days too, man, that I, I slip and fall, but God's grace. You know, I, I heard this a pastor say, wake up every morning in whatever room you go to first, whether it be the kitchen, whether it be your office, whatever. Imagine Jesus sitting either in in the corner, sitting at the kitchen table and waiting for that conversation with you right off the bat. Imagine that because that's what he's doing. You know, Christ wants you to have that relationship, that open relationship. And for me, it's open up my eyes. Even if, you know, I get up at 530 most every morning to do cardio and I'll get my coffee and I'll sit at my kitchen table and I'll open my Bible. And even if it's for five minutes, man, I just sit there and talk to God, you know, so I would say if you're struggling, remember that what Jesus did for you. I was reading John 3 16 this morning. I was, you know, Galatians 2 20. He loved me. He gave He gave himself for me. You know what I'm saying? And so don't, don't overthink it. Take it day by day. It's just like any other relationship. I tell people, I tell you know, youth all the time, take it day by day. You know, you build a friendship one day at a time. So do that with Christ, you know, take your, take your problems to Jesus, you know, take your joys to Jesus and everything. And he's there for you. You know, it's, it's just, um, it's very simple, mm-hmm. you know, the very, it's very simple. Like, I don't think, I think the biggest thing, the biggest problem is, is, is we get very, we, we get hard on ourselves. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? When, when God just wants a relationship with you, man, he just yeah. wants you to know how much he loves you. And it's helped me tremendously in my walk because yeah. I've always thought I had to give more, give more, give more. And God, the Holy Spirit convicted me one time and said, no, no, no. I just want your heart. I want your attention. Yeah. And man, that's the main thing, dude. That's good. That's good. I think it, you hit on a a really good point that <clears throat> I, I learned a long time ago, too, is I used to do like the whole read through the Bible in a year and do that checklist of like this scripture, this scripture. And man, by the time I got to like end of February, I was like six weeks behind already. And I would be so, (laughs) so defeated. And I'm like, screw this. I'm not doing it. You know, and really I, I got delivered from that in a sense, because that's just not how I'm wired. Right. Some people can do it and they do it every year and God love them. But man, those tick marks, what ends up happening to me is this, mm-hmm. I get defeated because I don't have the tick mark instead of I've, and then I would try to struggle to get through it. I wouldn't get anything out of it. It would just be the fact that I just had to read it. So 
I got, I, I just changed the way that I was doing it. So just like what you're saying is don't make it harder for yourself to, you know, spend time with God. You know, I always used to tell people, God is like a relationship with, with your significant other. You know, if you want to get to know them, it's as simple as sitting down and chatting with them, you know, find out what they like. They're going to find out what you like. And it's a conversation. It's like, you don't have to persuade them or do something extravagant for their attention. Uh, God just wants, God just wants your time and he wants your heart. And he just wants you to just be available to, to spend some time with him. So, I mean, great nuggets there, man. I really, really appreciate that. That is, that is fantastic. So it's, right. yeah. And real quick, it's, it's, I'm sorry to interrupt. It's just, don't make it, you know, you just mentioned, and, and it's funny you said that because I was that way when I would do the Bible reading plan, it became a checklist to me, man. And, and it took away from like just diving into one book of the Bible or dude, sometimes even one, uh, one verse and really studying it. And you know what I'm saying? So like, don't yeah. make it a checklist. Like I, yeah. I look at, dude, I always use this as, as, as an example, look at the disciples, the men who walked with Jesus. And if you like, you know, we, we always go, man, like the things I've done in life, there's no way God can forgive me. Dude, if you really dive into Paul, really, well, if you know Pete, or if you knew who Paul was before you dive into Peter and all these disciples, they were some messed up men right. and women that followed right. Christ, man. And yeah. so listen, if they can be used, the Bible's full of, full of like, full of mentors that, yep. that have done murder and adultery and everything. Yeah. So go to the Bible and you'll realize, okay, Jesus, you can use me. Yeah. And that's, I mean, that's huge. It's, it's, it's not about, and what I love about it is God has covered our past. He is, he, he's, if we say yes to Jesus, if we if we confess him and ask for forgiveness, he's covered our past because his, 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 you know, blood has, has done that. His, his sacrifice has done that. And no matter what you've come from, no matter where you have been, God can always take you to a place where you never thought that you would be, you know, uh, you know, for you, man, I guarantee you a couple of weeks ago, showing up at WrestleMania was a, was a lifelong dream for you. You know, you never would thought that, you know, back in 2000 and 2001, though you had a dream, though you wanted to go to it, you know, sometimes, I, I mean, I've had dreams in my life that, that probably will never come to fruition, but they still dreams in my heart, you know, is, is that God's purpose in my life? You know, you being able to live out that dream a couple of weeks ago, you know, you, you just never know what God has in store for you and, you know, what, what he's doing through you in the midst of that WWE locker room. You know, I believe that, that God is using you as, uh, as, a, as a person and as a tool for his kingdom to be who you are, no matter what, don't, don't waver. You know, if you're not going out with the crew and, and, you know, doing the things that, you know, some of those love to do, you're some of, some of them probably are going to look at you differently and be like, Oh, he's just, you know, he's a stuck up. He doesn't want to do this, but you're also talking to some of the others by nonverbal things. And I think that's important for everybody listening to know is you don't have to do the things in order to win the people. Sometimes the things that you don't do speak louder to the people that are around you and you're not doing it and you're not casting any type of judgment on those that do. But what you're doing is you're just saying that the, the God that's inside of me is, is driving me to be who I want to be. So I think that's huge. And I think there's, you know, there's a lot to be said there as a whole sermon in itself that probably could be oh, preached. Yeah. So good, but, um, all right, man. So I'm going to end with five rapid fire questions. So I'm going to put you on the hot seat, man. I think, I think these are going to be fun. So I'm, I'm curious. <laughs> do it. So who was your favorite wrestler growing up? Oh boy. Hulk Hogan's the one that I was blown away by when I was five years old. Uh, just captivated by him, dude. Yes, definitely Hulk Hogan. And real quick, another rapid fire. I got a chance to work with Hogan in 2010, um, 2012 in the ring with him. And then I saw him at WrestleMania this, uh, you know, whatever, three weeks ago. And I went up, shook his hand uh, and he instantly remembered me. So I instantly wow. as a child, I'm like, dude, this is so cool. And Hogan was just like, hey, it's good to yeah. see your brother. And I, <laughs> He says brother yeah. to everybody. But yeah, yeah, Hogan just was the man, man. And that's, that says a lot for someone that his stature, I mean, when you think of yeah. wrestling, th there's only, there's one name, you know, and there's sure. lots of other names. I mean, 
Flair and Sting and Ultimate Warrior and, and you know, uh, Andre the Giant and Steamboat and all, I mean, all the, you know, all the ones that came before him. But when you say, you know, WWF, now WWE, mm-hmm. Hogan is it. And for him, man, to remember you all those years later, you know, oh, yeah. and not, I mean, that, that says a lot about his character. I think that's pretty cool. All right. So Very Hogan, much. Hogan's a favorite wrestler. All right. Well, let me ask you this. I'm going to follow that up. Hulk Hogan or Hollywood Hogan? <laughs> Dude, I was so mad when he turned back. Yeah, but, uh, <laughs> definitely, definitely Hulk Hogan. But as you know, as I was in my, I guess, teen years when they did the NWO yeah. and uh, it started to grow on me like, oh, these guys are cool, man. These yeah. bad guys are cool. So yeah. I really enjoyed the Hollywood Hogan era because yeah. I think his career needed it. And and you talk to him about it. I think he and I have a little bit and it just kind of re it, it was, he was, re, he was reborn, man. Mm-hmm. And it gave him something different to do. And man, they were on fire. I yeah. remember seeing them live in Winston-Salem with my dad and just people hated these guys, dude. Yeah. It was incredible. It was good times. <laughs> I was in college during that time. It was, it was good times. I love that time. Oh, so. man. Yes. All right, man. So toughest opponent you've ever faced. Oh, boy. That's a that's a good one. Um, I would say uh, probably... Well, we can go independent wrestling or we can go like impact or something like that. We'll go independent wrestling. Um, I had many, many feuds with a good buddy of mine, um, Iceberg, big old, big guy, man. And NWA wild side. I mentioned we, um, we did a year long feud where we just, I mean, we, we bled, we sweat, we laughed, we cried together. It was just, it was a friendship bond and Mm -hmm. kind of going behind, behind the curtain here was a friendship bond where these two guys, Loved each other, loved the business of what we did, loved to entertain these people. And I mean, we would go out there, dude, and, and I literally almost bled to death one night. Uh, I got like a lacerated artery in my forehead. Wow. <laughs> so I'm squirting. Yeah, it's like whatever. My mom and jumped they say the guardrail. Right. And they say it's fake. Yeah, dude. Yeah. It was yeah. luckily it was the last probably minute of the match because it was it was pretty bad. Anyway, he was probably the toughest when it came to, you know, non-WWE or whatnot. Um, and then I had a really good, uh, feud with James storm and impact wrestling where we did we, roughly six or seven month feud cage matches and all kinds of stuff. So wow. tough guy, man, we, we gave it to the fans. We gave our bodies for the entertainment. That's awesome. Um, yeah. I've, I've so many more, but those are two that really come to mind. Awesome. All right. All right. Going back to, to a favorite, who would you say is the best tag team of all time? Oh boy, dude. I am going to say probably I'm a brain busters fan. So totally Blanchard and Arn Anderson. Oh, you're um, going way back so, in the day. Okay. So you want to go way back. Yeah. We okay. go way back or, or we can, you know, so for me growing up, those guys, I love, mm-hmm. um, you also, uh, moving forward a little bit to like 2000 era, um, edge and Christian, mm. big edge, big edge and Christian fans. And if you want to go into like the mid nineties, early or, you know, late nineties, um, I always enjoyed Harlem heat. Okay. You All know, right. uh, two big guys, man. I mean, Booker T is a big man. I've met yeah. Stevie Ray once, Yeah, but just as a kid, I remember like, man, these guys are huge, but so athletic and, um, just, you know, I mean, there's a lot of tag teams, but those are three mm-hmm. that I can definitely spit off three that I can spit okay. off. Um, I, mean, I was a Hardy Boys fan growing horsemen. up. Yeah, yeah. Oh, man. Oh, yeah. You brought, yeah, you brought I mean, the you four did. horsemen in there. Okay. <laughs> like, like I literally, <laughs> I mean, you, you took me by surprise with those answers. I really, I mean, those are some, those are some epic answers. I was not expecting that. I was thinking, you know, the road warriors with Hawk and animal, you know, you know demolition yeah, was but, a good one. Um, oh you yeah, know, of course. Yeah, the heart foundation. gimmicks. Yeah. yeah hard fan. No. So I'm a big Bret Hart fan and, yeah. and I can, I mean, so that's, that's a tough one, but yeah. I'm always, I'm just always been a, a Arn Anderson fanatic. I love yeah. Arn. I love Tully. Of course. Yeah. The Hart foundation, you had the British Bulldogs. I mean, who you go back and watch their stuff now and it's like timeless. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, Davey boy and, 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 and uh, dynamite. I mean, just dude. I mean, yeah. so I, I could, I could sit here and rattle off a bunch. Yeah. <laughs> I'm a wrestling fanatic and fan, yeah. man. So but, yeah, I, yeah, you know, I mean, I can probably talk, I, I can talk, and I know this is supposed to be rapid fire, but you know, Hey, I, I, we, Sorry, we can talk about this, but you know, <sighs> I can talk about the, the nineties, mid two thousands. I stopped watching 
There was a time, there was a time in the WWE with the diva stuff that got a little too much for me. And then they kind of reeled it back in. So that, that section of, I don't know, what is it? Five, six years, you know, um, you know, I think right after Trish Stratus, that, that type of era. Um, and then I I started to kind of, I never left it. I kind of, you know, I've always been a huge rock fan. I just, his, his persona in the ring is him and Austin, those guys right there is what always drew me back in. I would always watch it for backstage, you know, or the in ring, not even, not even the wrestling. I would love to hear their monologues and stuff like that. And just the the storylines and those were, those would always get me. So yeah, I could talk about, I could talk about wrestling a lot. We used to do it at work. So love it. So we got the best tag team of all time. Okay. In the business, who was your mentor? Uh, now or growing, like coming into the business, you know what I mean? Like now? Well, yeah. Or, who's your, who do you have I as guess, a mentor now? Uh, I think now, oh man. Um, oh boy. I always look up to AJ Styles. Um, okay. AJ Styles is, is a good man, a good Christian brother as well. Mm-hmm. And, um, just, uh, always kept a level head. He's always been one of those guys. He's from a small town, Georgia that worked hard, man. And I look at him, and, you know, I go, okay, this dude's gave it his all as well. And, mm-hmm. I, and I look, I, I look for, uh, to be around people who, who tend to not want to complain, who want to just love what they do. I mean, there's days we're going to have bad days, I guess, mm-hmm. but AJ Styles is always, man, I worked with him in impact wrestling and he's always just gives 110%, not yeah. only to the business, but to being a father and a husband. Mm. Um, and I would say my mentor, uh, wrestling wise for me starting out, was the man who trained me, uh, real name's Tommy, <clears throat> Tommy Birch. And then he wrestled as Abel Adams, but he's the one that took me under his wing, uh, took me to shows, let me start traveling with him, taught me in the ring. Um, you know, just, you know, we're still very close today, man. Yeah. That's pretty awesome. So yeah. One of the, one of the greatest matches I've seen had to been AJ Styles take her last, last WrestleMania. Oh, just, yeah. I mean, just blew it out of, <laughs> out of the park. So yeah, man. I love that. Neat. So yeah. Um, all right. So last question for you, dream match. You can tell me your dream opponent, where, and the type of match you would like to have. Now I'm going to, I'm going to do a little asterisk and I want to say this because if anybody catches wind of this, anybody out there, see, this is not you calling anybody out (laughs) in ring or anything like that. This is just, if Chad would say, Hey, I would love, and it could be history. You can go back mm-hmm. into history. Okay. They're, oh, yeah. they're retired. They're no longer with us, whatever. What would be Chad's dream match with who, oh, where, and what kind of match would you put it in? And I, I'll give you, I'll give you two. I'll give you one with someone who is no longer with us. Uh, Macho okay. man, Randy Savage, one of my all time oh, yeah. favorites growing up. Yeah. Uh, just still can watch his stuff. And he was just incredible. Yeah. Um, I'd love to have worked with Macho and it, where definitely WrestleMania with Macho Man and the kind of match like I you know I think just a uh, just a regular regular match with, with okay. Macho Man because I mean I've seen him do the the no holds barred stuff with you mm-hmm. know, DDP many many times and just mm-hmm. I mean man to watch Macho work with Steamboat at WrestleMania three to watch him work with Ultimate Warrior I believe is WrestleMania four or five uh, just you know at the time he was way ahead of his time mm-hmm. mind body in the ring everything so macho man for sure wrestlemania regular match um moving forward to now i can say uh probably drew mcintyre if you oh. look at a, a new guy you know yeah. not, not new he's been around but one of our current roster guys yeah. i always said triple h but he's kind of you know triple h is really he's not doing many more matches mm-hmm. but Drew McIntyre, man, just the epitome of, of hard work. Mm-hmm. You know, you, you look at where he's come from, uh, how hard he works to grow, you know, own his craft, to, to take care of his physique, to entertain the people. Uh, just I see the things that he does behind closed doors, you know, how mm-hmm. he acts, uh, how he treats people. And um, so I would say, oh, man, let's just go. Uh, Let's go Hell in a Cell match. With oh, nice. Hell in a Cell nice. match. So you're looking at the Hell in a Cell pay-per-view because I've always wanted to be in in, a, uh, in one of those. I've been in a yeah. cage match many times. Yeah, yeah. Hell in a Cell is completely different. Yeah. 
So definitely. Drew. That's pretty amazing. I, I I would pay money for that one. That I mean, <laughs> Drew, Drew's, and, and I've seen you in person. I, I've never seen yeah. Drew in person. Drew's a big dude. Like He's like He-Man, bro. It's huge. Yeah, he's huge. Oh, yeah. And huge. Uh, yeah, he's, uh, I've, I got to hear some of his story on some of the untold stuff, mm-hmm. so, you know, just how it's been back and forth and finally got his shot and, and to do his yeah. thing, which is awesome. You know, and I, and I love, I love hearing those stories of how, you know, you know what that looks like. So, um, but man, that, that's pretty awesome. I love, I love that. That's uh, a little taste of, you know, for the fans out there, if if anybody's out there, that's, that's WWE fans and all of that. So, man, I really want to thank you for coming on the show and uh, just sharing a little bit about your life and about your journey uh, with Jesus. And Mm -hmm. um, man, it's been an incredible time. So people can watch you. You, you are on the raw roster. So yes. you are, you're actually right now in Tampa as we, as we record this, um, it's on a Sunday night. You're actually going to be, you know, going out there in raw, um, tomorrow doing your stuff. And, um, you know, just as, uh, as you, you follow the, follow along with storylines, follow along with what's going on. Um, you know, if you guys are watching this or listening to this, um, check it out raw. Um, I believe it's still on USA. Is that correct? They're still on the USA. Oh, network. Yeah. All right. Yes, sir. Um, mm-hmm. so you guys can watch, uh, Chad, AKA Jackson Riker do mm-hmm. his thing in the ring. Um, not only for the WWE, but for the glory of God. So Chad, thanks so sure. much for joining us, man. I really appreciate it. Uh, be safe out there and good luck tomorrow. Yeah, man, I appreciate your time. It's been a, it's been a pleasure, man. Thank you. Hey, everybody. Thanks for listening to today's episode. As always, I want to encourage you to hit that subscribe button so you can be notified when we drop new episodes. Also, if you're enjoying the show, share it with others. Give us a shout out on social media. If you're not following the show, you can hit us up on Instagram and Facebook. Our Instagram is at faith underscore life underscore fitness. And Facebook, you can hit us up at at faith life fit. Go over, give us a follow, give us a like, shout us out. Until next time, my name is Caleb, and this has been the Faith, Life, and Fitness Podcast.